tonight we're reading the statement from John chapter 15, verse 9 to 17. It's going to be on the screen behind me, and you can find it in the church Bible on page 1083. John chapter 15, verse 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatsoever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. If you do have a Bible uh, to hand or a Bible out with that passage on, uh, do keep it to hand. I've got one printed out here, uh, so I know what's going on. And uh, let's pray, shall we? Let's pray as we dig into this topic of friendship together. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much uh, that Jesus extends the hand of friendship to us. And Father, you know each one of us uh, where our battles are uh, in this subject of friendship uh, and making friends. Father, please be with us now. Help us uh, have confidence in you as our best friend. And help us understand how wisely to make friends with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think the first question your mum or dad or carer asks when you first go to school is this. Well, maybe I have a few questions. But one of them is this. Did you make any friends today? Uh, I think that's quite a common question when you start school. Did you make any friends today? Because we all know that that feeling of going into a new place, a new space, a new room, and seeing there are a whole bunch of people that you just don't know. Uh, and that kind of uh, pressure or uh, demand to go and start making friends. Uh, there's, a, there's a myth, I think, that friendship just happens. And it is a myth, because making friends it isn't just about walking into the room, it's about walking across the room. Uh, friendship doesn't just happen accidentally. Uh, we're doing a series on uh, friendship, and the, the, we started last week by thinking about uh, the idea that we're made for friendship, that God has made us to become friends with other people. Uh, but those relationships are spoiled, they're spoiled by sin, and that, that impulse in us to serve ourselves. But all is not lost, because Jesus comes and he transforms our lives, and he enables us to have better, healthier Friendships we looked at uh, last week. And today we're particularly thinking about making friends. What it is to wisely make friends with other people. And there's lots more to come. We're going to be thinking about maintaining friendships, deepening friendships, uh, and a whole bunch of other things too. But tonight particularly, we want to think about making friends. I think it's fair to say, that as we think about this, there are no easy answers. Uh, Different people here will be facing different challenges when it comes to making friendship. And I think maybe one of the headlines is this. There's good news and there's bad news. Uh, the good news is you can't be 
with everyone. And the bad news is, you can't be friends with everyone. It's the same. You see, it's good news that we can't be friends with everyone because there are too many people for us to know at a friendship level. So it's good that we can't be friends with everyone. But it's also difficult because then we'll have to make choices and decisions about who and how and when to make friends with different people. But before we go further, it is worth asking that kind of fundamental question, what is a friend? We didn't actually talk about this last week. I don't know if you noticed. Actually, some of you did, because you told me. Um, <laughs> but we need to think, when we think about making a friend, we need to think about what do we mean when we use this word, friend? Uh, I'm uh, sort of built this way, so where did I go first out to that question? I went to a dictionary. Uh, boys and girls, that's what you should do, if you don't know the meaning of a word. Uh, go to a dictionary. And um, it actually it had three different definitions. Uh, the first one was this, a person you know well and who you like a lot, but is usually not a member of your family. You know, uh, that's the definition of friend I recognise. But it's not the only definition. Here's another one, someone who is not an enemy and you can <laughs> trust. Oh, okay, that's quite a low bar. And then thirdly, uh, someone who gives money to an arts organisation or charity in order to support it. A supporter of a cause is a friend of that cause. So we've got this word friend now being used at quite a lot of different levels. And in Proverbs, in chapter 18, verse 24, they have this idea, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when he was in uh, a Nazi concentration camp, wrote this poem inspired by one of his best friends. He said, like a clear, fresh wellspring, where the spirit cleanses itself from the day's dust, where it cools itself after the blazing heat and steals itself in the hour of fatigue, like a fortress where the spirit returns after confusion and danger, finding refuge, comfort and strength. Such is the friend to the friend. I think that captures something, doesn't it, of the, the mutuality, the, the mutual care and love and trust and support that we get in, in true friendship. Now, to help us think about this topic, I want to show you a diagram. Uh, can you read it at the back? No? Anyone read that at the back? Is it too small? <laughs> uh, you've got to see it. <laughs> um, what this is, is it's a, a picture of some, some circles, concentric circles. And it was uh, devised by a researcher called Robin Dunbar. Now, getting our head around some of this stuff will help us as we wrestle with the question of making friends. His research said, look, we are limited people. We can only sustain a certain number of friendships at a certain level of intimacy. And so, so most people have one or two bestest, closest friends. If you're a spouse, probably, should be, uh, your husband or wife, uh, and maybe one other. Then there are sort of maybe three or three to five friendships at the next level of intimacy that we can maintain well. Beyond that, a, a, a ring of 12 or 15. Beyond that, a ring of 50. And then 150 kind of people we get on with well. Uh, and then beyond that, there are acquaintances and connections and all kinds of other relationships. But he said, look, depending on how you define friend, we can probably sustain 50 to 150 friendships. Do we have that sort of a level of intimacy, vulnerability and connection with? I think that's important to know because it helps us as we're thinking about making friends. Uh, how many friendships we're trying to make and at what kind of 
there was an intimacy. It's really easy to look around and, and look at other people and go, wow, they've got so many friends and they're so close. Whereas, really, most people don't have that many close friends. And most of us don't need that many close friends. We can't sustain too many friends at that close level. Yeah, well, that's a bit of kind of um, social research. How much does that have a bearing on how we live? You go, well, you're right. It is a bit of public social research. But it's interesting. You do see that kind of pattern in Jesus' life. So Jesus does seem to have a, a bestest friend. He has John, the disciple who he loves, who he seems to have a particularly close, vulnerable, and intimate relationship with. Then he has a, a, an inner circle of three, uh, Peter, James, and John. And then a group of 12, the 12 disciples. And then a wider group of, we read in the Bible, 72 or so. So he does seem to operate on this idea that you can't be friends with everyone, and you can't be friends to the same level of intimacy with everyone either. Uh, right at that centre is the person or the people who have free rights. Uh, do, we, do we know what we mean by fridge rights? Uh, we've got some people nodding here. Uh, these are the people. Uh, so your friends, all your friends are people you, you welcome around for dinner. But there are some friends have fridge rights. They can come and make themselves at home. Uh, they can help themselves to whatever is in your fridge, whether you're there or not. That's like the very closest level of friendship. Uh, when uh, Lois was Coffee in, machine uh, kept in the fridge. Student, her sister gave her a key, a spare key to the front door of her house. I said, look, if you only need someone to go, you can come to my uh, house, make yourself at home, help yourself to the fridge, uh, and you can find refuge there. That's sort of, that's the closest level of friendship in a way that maybe we can understand. Yeah. And everything else, they kind of a lower level of trust, vulnerability, and intimacy from there on. Now, one of the things we could talk a lot about tonight, but we're going to have to part until a few weeks' time, is what friendship looks like in this context, in a church context, and how we negotiate all that. Don't give up. We are going to come to that, but we just can't get into all that tonight. You should see how much red pen uh, is strewn throughout all my notes, things we're not talking about tonight. But keep, keep with us, and hopefully we'll tackle some of these things as we go through in the weeks to come. The thing we want to talk about first, though, is this. What are the hurdles to friendship? What are the hurdles to us making friends at that kind of 50, 15, and 5 level? What will get in the way of doing that? Now, I think there are some things that are just general things about the world we live in, and they're not really things we can change. There's the issue of wealth. Most of us, for example, are wealthy enough to live in our own homes and have enough money to heat our own homes. We don't all have to huddle together in some communal place to keep warm. Those days, for most of us, are gone. So now we live in separate houses on our own. Not only that, but the British weather, we were talking to some of you on Wednesday night about this, the British weather doesn't help us make friends. When it's getting to this time of year, and you think, shall I go out and meet people? Nah. It's wet, it's soggy, I'm going to stay in. Uh, you think about Mediterranean cultures when they're out in the town square well into later parts of the year, connecting, making friends with one another. There's a, a, the British preference for privacy uh, and autonomy. We like friendships with no strings attached. It's not really friendships at all. And there's also, I think, 
maybe what we can see as the, the priority of romantic friendships. So that there's such importance placed on finding a, a romantic life partner, I think one of the consequences we devalue the value of just friendship, good, vulnerable, trusting, mutual friendship. So we can't deal with any of that, but it's good to be aware of as we think about making friends. We're going to have to overcome these things. And then, and then there's stuff that each one of us might be dealing with individually. And again, some of this is going to come quite close to home for some of us. This is stuff that some of us will be wrestling with uh, quite hard. There's things like disability, uh, physical or mental, visible or invisible. It can be profoundly isolated. Uh, ill health, uh, retirement, just our personality and temperament, shyness, things like that can be a hurdle that we have to work out what to do with when it comes to making friends. Emotional intelligence, our sense of self-esteem and security, what age and stage you're at, all of these things can be hurdles to making friends. Someone wrote to me in the week uh, with these words, uh, they said, People bring with them the wounds of their past, the struggles of their present, and the unspoken anxieties of their future. What they want to know is, will you love me as I am? Many people are shy, distrusting, or hurt. And people are bringing that. And if that's your experience, it can be hard, can't it, to reach out in vulnerability and trust to make friends with people. So, uh, how are we going to make friends? Because that's not the only hurdles. Uh, there's uh, three more biggish ones I want to talk about before we get into the more positive stuff. And it, the first one is this, and we've talked about this before, but there's that sense of busyness. I literally don't feel like I can fit friend-making into my life at the moment. And for some of us here tonight, there'll be some truth in that. We've got... Uh, a lot of responsibilities uh, in our workplace. Our work demands long hours. Some of us will be uh, caring for ageing parents and haven't got much margin. Many of us are very busy. But I wonder sometimes when we feel busy, like actually it's just that we feel weary. Uh, life can be very wearying, can't it? Uh, we're always making decisions, always having to choose between different options and there's a lot of pressure i wonder if sometimes it's not busyness but it's weariness and sometimes also there's a possibility that we're busy with the wrong things uh, drew hunter in his book says sometimes we're occupied with less redeeming priorities evening shows redemptive use uh, repetitive news cycles social media and other potential time wasters which, of course, brings on to the second big hurdle that uh, we could talk about, which is technology. Uh, now, we're going to talk a little bit next week about uh, how actually technology could be used to maintain friendship. But we need to understand a little bit first how technology has, in some ways, redefined even the very word friendship. Uh, since Facebook came along, you can now friend someone and never meet them. Uh, you can have 400, 600, 900 plus friends. But that's not the sort of definition of friendship that Dietrich Bonhoeffer was talking about, is it? And so actually we've come to have much lower expectation of friends, partly because of our experience uh, and use of technology. In some ways, social media and that sort of thing, it offers 
the illusion of companionship without any of the demands of friendship. And particularly, technology can get in the way of how we communicate with one another, how we are present with one another. One writer said that it, it can depersonalize communication so you are connected with more people when there's less there. It disengages us from the here and now. If you go and have coffee with someone and you put your phone on your table, see how well you pay attention to the other person um, compared to if you put it in your bag. It's like it disengages. It disembodies us from conversation. So you know the difference it makes when you're face to face with someone and you can pick up on all their uh, the visual cues, the, the facial expressions, the body language, and the tone of voice compared to a text or an email. And then there's that temptation where we will use electronic means of communication for things that really demand an in-person response. You think particularly conflict and how important it is to resolve conflict face-to-face -face rather than through an email or text message. These are all hurdles to friendship making. It says, uh, the average UK adult spends three and a half hours a day watching TV or Netflix uh, or some similar streaming service. Three and a half hours a day! You see how our use of technology is related to our feeling of busyness. Netflix say that their main competition is not Amazon Prime or Disney or any streaming service. Their main competition is sleep. And no wonder we feel busy or weary that sort of thing is dragging us in. Uh, if I were to do a quiz and ask you, what is your, what is the, the most precious, rarest resource? Uh, I, I guess a natural temptation would be to say things like oil or natural gas, or for those of you who feeling a bit more kind of edgy, you might say water. Um, but the rarest resource I think we have is time. Time is something you cannot store. You cannot get back, and it's the ultimate limited resource. We are spending it as we go. Business technology, and finally, just quickly before we move on, mobility. And by mobility, I mean that experience that you know where people increasingly, they, they're not necessarily living in the place they were born. They might be born in one town, they go to university or get an apprenticeship in another town, get a job somewhere else, move somewhere else just to start and moving all the time every time you move it disrupts your friendships and you're put in a place where you have to make new friendships where people already have friendships research says that people who think they may be moving in five years are 25 percent less likely to be involved in volunteering or attempts to make friendships so what do we do well i think it's helpful to remember at this point we've done a lot of talk about the hurdles to friendship well, let's consider for a moment what a massive hurdle it was for Jesus to make friends with us. Uh, and let's kind of recenter ourselves by considering that. You see, Jesus didn't just walk into the room in order to make friends with us. He walked across the room. He didn't just walk across the room, actually, did he? He moved heaven and earth to make friends with us. He upended the cosmos to become friends with us. Uh, back in that passage we had read out earlier, we read these words. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
You see, it's easy to forget, isn't it? Or maybe it's easy to take for granted that Jesus wants to be our friend. <laughs> of course he does. That's his job. Uh, he's lovely and gracious. But actually that forgets the massive barrier, the hurdle between us and God. See, Jesus came and laid down his life to deal with our sin. To deal with what we saw last week, that, that impulse in all of us to push God to one side uh, and to live life our way. It's the ultimate betrayal. I don't know, I think it's one of the things that most kills a friendship, possibly, is betrayal. I don't know if you've experienced that. Someone you thought was a friend, uh, and you find out that they've, uh, they've turned their back on you, they've, they've done the dirt on you, it's so painful. Yeah, that's our natural state before God. It's a huge hurdle, and yet Jesus on the cross pays such a huge price in his blood that that offence could be removed, so that we could be made his friend. I don't know what the most expensive thing is you've ever bought. Uh, some, of, some of you here might be homeowners, that's a pretty big price, or at least on your way there. Some of you might own cars, or you might be a bit of designer gear, or some tech gadget, uh, a musical instrument. The thing is, when you pay that price, it is a high cost, isn't it? But you get something incredibly valuable. See, Jesus paid the highest imaginable cost when he was dealing broken goods. He was getting people like us, people like me, who put all those barriers between me and him. And he did that. He made, took the initiative, crossed the room, paid the price to make me his friend. That's what our friendship making is ultimately modelled in. And so, as we think about making friends, let's start there. Let's never lose the wonder of what it is for Jesus to cross heaven and earth to get rid of the hurdles between us and him, to make us his friends. Maybe let that change our attitude towards friendship making. about making friends, where does that leave us? How do we wisely cross the room with friendship? Uh, how do we um, make friends wisely as Jesus would make friends? I think it starts, doesn't it, by realising what we can't change. Remember those big picture things we talked about at the start, the, the cultural trends? We can't do anything to change those things. We just need to be aware of that. But what we can do is we can copy Jesus. Uh, we can see what principles he works by when he makes friends, and we can work out how we can follow in those same footsteps. That's one thing, isn't it, in terms of how Jesus makes friends? He, he's deliberate. He's not accidental, is he? He's intentional. He's sacrificial. He, he goes after people. And Jesus, in his uh, incarnate, when he walked the earth, he, he did have friendship at different levels. And he chose wisely. Now, this is a, a huge challenge, I think, to us making friends, is that challenge to choose wisely. Again, when you were a kid and you went out to the park with your friends, what was the question your mom or dad or carer asked you? They said, look, where are you going? Fine. But what was the next question? Who are you going with? Uh, who are you going with? Because 
your mum and dad knew that who you were going with was quite important. Because if you went with this group of friends, it's probably all going to be okay. But if you went with that group of friends, trouble. Uh, right? We see this uh, idea of Proverbs. Proverbs 13 verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. See, it's actually Christian to be wise about how we, how and who we make friends with. And it's wise because once you're in a friendship, you can't really back out of a friendship. Uh, you can't really de-friend someone without immense difficulty and complication. And conversation. And we need to choose wisely because friendship necessarily curtails, limits our own freedom and independence. And you don't do that lightly. You also see with Jesus, by the way, not just that he chooses wisely, but he, he, he chooses, uh, he's got variety in his friendships. I don't know if uh, you think about your friendship groups and you think, what sort of friends have I got? Um, but if you look at Jesus, he's got a, a real variety in those 12. Uh, I think the most extreme is on one hand, he's got a tax collector, like a, a stooge of the, the Roman Empire. And on the other hand, he's got a zealot, someone who was a nationalist, who would have hated this guy. See, Jesus didn't look at his friends and go, which ones do I just think will be, be the coolest? Which ones do I think will give me the most? He just moved towards people and he enjoyed the variety. It's a good challenge to ourselves, isn't it, as we choose wisely to also choose variety. Uh, people from different backgrounds, not assuming that just because they're from the same background that they'll be the best friend. Uh, she might discourage us from discriminating like that. We can be friendly to all, but only friends to some. I think the final sort of principle just to take from Jesus in this is to take responsibility. Uh, Jesus isn't, you don't see Jesus interestingly, do you? Going through the New Testament and going, oh, why aren't they friends with me? Why aren't they better friends? Actually, you see Jesus just being the best possible friend. I think that's quite a good mentality to have when we're thinking about making friends. And it's really tempting. I've found that temptation to think, oh, why aren't more people, why don't more people want to be friends with me? By the way, I'm not doing that now. Um, <laughs> very grateful for all the friends I have. Um, but there's that temptation, is it, when you're in a new place or when you're maybe you're struggling for friendship, as I have done in the past. You know, why? Why do more people want to be friends with me? But you see in Jesus, he's that he's just being the best friend he can be. And that's quite a, a healthy perspective, I think, for us to take. As we do that, I think there are a few things that will help us be good friends. Uh, that you see good New Testament principle. One is this. Uh, it's being an encourager. Uh, to consistently be an encourager. It's very rare these days to come across people who are consistently encouraging. Be someone who appreciates others and expresses that appreciation. I bet all of you appreciate your friends, but some of us aren't very good at saying so. Uh, maybe that's a more of a blokey thing, I don't know. Um, but I think it's really striking when someone says, not just um, let's do the thing together or whatever, but they say, oh, I really like this about you. I, I really appreciate this quality that you have in you. I think that's quite rare. But it's interesting, at Jesus' baptism, what does the Heavenly Father say about God the Son? This is my Son. With him, I am well pleased. That beautiful show of affection and appreciation from God the Father 
to God the Son. There's a, there was a clip doing the social media round a while ago, uh, and it was a clip of a high school basketball game. And one of the members of the team, um, I think he had, there was a, he had a certain physical disability that meant it was hard for him to participate fully. But at the end, of, towards the end of the game, uh, they, they brought him on, they subbed him on, and he had a three-pointer to make, hard shot. And so the, the, his team were like, come on, we, you can do this, do your best. Uh, we, we love you, we love having you on the team, this sort of stuff. Uh, and so, you know, the crowd's And he goes from the three-point line, nothing but net, straight through the hole. Crowd go wild. And at the end of the game, he's interviewed. And what he said, look, tell us how you feel. Oh, I just, just felt like I could do it. I felt like my team had my back. I felt like, you know, I was on fire. And he's repeating everything that his friends were telling him. Uh, that's the sort of friend we need to be. Uh, encouraging, appreciating, and drawing them in. Ultimately, uh, it, we need to say it, don't we? Friendship is a matter of chemistry. It's really hard just to force a friendship. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in that poem ended like this. Not from the heavy soil of earth, but from the heart's free choosing, and from the spirit's free longing, meaning no oath or legal sanction is the friend given to the friend. Ultimately, this is an area where we've got a, a tremendous amount of freedom uh, to choose, but to choose wisely uh, and to act like Jesus. In the coming weeks, I'm going to close and hand back to Martin now, but in the coming weeks, we'll talk more about some of these issues of busyness and technology. Uh, we'll talk about actually some of the issues about how uh, men and women could be good friends with each other. We'll talk a bit more about loneliness and about the church and some of the expectations we can have here. <laughs> But I guess as we close, and if you're someone here tonight who actually finds making friends like a real struggle, uh, it is a real battle and it's mystifying, then I think let's cast our eyes back onto Jesus. Everyone here who has trusted Jesus has received his offer of friendship. And you're friends with someone who says to you, I love you and I like you and I want you to know me and be with me. And that doesn't solve all our battles with friendship, but it certainly helps us uh, as we walk towards other people, as we cross the room wisely. Let's cross the room as Jesus would uh, and trust him uh, for his friendship.